Hello, you're listening to Create It Till You Make It, a new podcast from Stitch. I'll be talking to senior people from across the creative industries and startup scene about how they created, innovated and made their way to where they are today. Expect to hear about first jobs, lessons learned and lots of advice. I'm Grace, a student at the University of Birmingham about to begin my final year, and I'm also interning at Stitch this summer. We're a tool to help companies manage their network of external creative talent, helping you to find the right people when you need them. With lots of people working from various spreadsheets and info stored in emails, Stitch brings this into one central database, a living little black book, if you will, with profiles for each person showing their contact info and examples of work. You can then leave notes against people, attach core documents like NDAs, and this all integrates with your emails. You can find out more about us at stitchapp.co. We really wanted to learn more about how people have grown their networks and made successful careers. So without further ado, let's meet today's guest. Today I'm joined by Katie Bucket. Katie is the co-founder of digital marketing consultancy 150, which she launched with her business partner Alex in 2015. She's worked in communication and digital marketing for 12 years, both in and for global and UK organisations. Starting her career within Vauxhall's marketing communications team, she subsequently worked as a digital brand communications consultant across sectors as diverse as consumer technology and professional services. More recently, she set up a second business, Rogue Ponies, a content platform which matches brands with social influencers to create more effective and efficient brand content for them. Thank you for talking to me today. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thanks. Um, What was your first job? I'm just going to dive straight in. So I think you sort of briefly mentioned it there. So I worked within the comms team at Vauxhall Motors Mm -hmm. and I actually did it as a placement year between my third and fourth year of university, specifically doing a lot around consumer PR. Nice. Okay. What is consumer PR for those who don't know? Great question. Um, So I actually started off my career doing PR. I did a PR degree. Oh, okay, cool. I decided to go down more of a vocational route. My role there was to essentially get Vauxhall in as much consumer media as possible, which meant a lot of driving around in some very funky looking cars that we got designed by fashion designers and the like. Was that part of a programme that you got given the placement or did you find that first placement yourself? It's part of our course actually that we needed to do a year in industry. I actually found it myself. They did and they still do actually a really excellent intern scheme. Do you have any tips for people who are at the start of their career those people particularly who are confused about where to begin or they're looking at the creative industries and not knowing their place in it? I think first off, don't worry about not knowing exactly what you want to do because people Mm -hmm. change career paths all the time um, and things adapt and change all the time. So don't worry about too much about that. But do, and I'm pretty sure everyone says this, but you do need to try and get as much experience as possible because there might be some things you're good at or not so good at that you don't really realise and actually um, doing things in the summer holidays is a great way to get yourself stuck into an agency or something in the creative industry so we actually get quite a lot of people approach us who want to do six eight weeks over the summer and we always take on two or three people and actually it's a really good way of getting in the door because you're quite often going around sort of internship or official internship schemes it can work quite well for a small or mid-sized agency and you get stuck in more for them 
How did you end up where you are now? So I started off in-house my for my year. And when I graduated from university, I decided to go and work for a PR agency. And while I was there, uh, this might show how old I am, Facebook didn't really exist. Or it did, it was very fledgling. It sort of came into existence in my last year of university. So I started off in PR, but then all of a sudden this social media thing came around. And I just thought, God, this is so fascinating that instead of having to talk to journalists and go through media, you can have this direct communication with people on various different platforms and people are sharing lots of different things and you can just see immediately how they're reacting what they like what they don't like so off my own back I did a lot of what is now called sort of a social media audit and I spent a long time looking into actually what people saying why are they saying it when are they saying it And then when I was going into client meetings, people were like, wow, okay, this is really interesting. How did you figure this all out? I'm like, the information's there. You just need to put it together in a way that's a compelling story, essentially, and means something. Is that how you found yourself dealing with data? Yeah, so that's when I was like, actually, what I really love is digital and social. Within the PR agency that I started with, actually, they had quite a good breadth. So I was able to move from PR into more social and digital, which is where I stayed for almost 10 years so my career changed within that but within the same company and then I decided that was the time to ditch all of that and go it alone yeah amazing was there a specific kind of incident or an opportunity that made you think now's the moment to strike out on my own not really I always knew I wanted to set up my own business my dad owned his own business that always made me think well I can do it too. It wasn't, I mean, I always knew it would be hard, but I always thought, do you know what? Yeah, you can see He can do it. I can see how he's done it. I'd love to do that too. And it got to a point where, you know, I've been at the same place for quite a long time. And also it was really starting, people were starting to have conversations about, do you know what? What does social actually mean? What are people actually saying? How do we actually tie this into the business? And that's when, you know, me and my business partner, not to forget him, Mm -hmm. um, saw an opportunity around sort of focusing more, a lot more on data and behaviors around social and digital rather than just you know let's produce some content and write some tweets etc which definitely has its place and it's an absolute craft in itself but just be really focused on actually why do people do what they do online and how can we align better to that and helping kind of brands understand that that yeah and and really have a purpose to it you don't want sort of tweets to go out and retweets you do want that but you want that for a reason yeah you want it because you essentially want to sell something you want people to think differently but how do you actually get them to do that yeah you need to understand why they're online in the first place what they already share what they think about your product how do they talk so you can actually talk in the same way it's much easier to align with what people are actually doing than trying to change them and get them to do something different so did you find any challenges when you were trying to understand what people were doing online I guess it was quite an early quite a fresh concept having an agency dealing directly with data yeah and actually sort of uh, I guess a bit of a bigger picture we actually thought what we were doing might be slightly ahead of its time I think our our concern when we first set up 150 was that people would like the idea of sort of data and behaviors and looking at the psychology of sharing and why people were doing that and looking yeah. into the numbers but it might be a bit premature and actually people would be like yeah but I would just like the content and the community management and then maybe we'll get onto the data side but what we really quickly found was that no people were really really wanting a reason why they were doing all this stuff on social yeah and to actually have a business case that they could then talk to 
the wider business about and that would then feed into sort of the things that they were already doing so actually you had less of a job kind of convincing brands it was a wise idea yeah and we and we still you know now have sort of certain people that you know we have to go in and explain exactly what we do because it's not as easy as to say well we're a social media agency (laughs) we write some tweets but actually there was a much bigger and quicker appetite than we thought there would be and I think now what are we two and a half years on nearly three years and increasingly people are just more and more interested in okay there's a lot of data there what does it mean can we make sense of it Mm -hmm. and actually turn it into something you can do tomorrow and not just think this is some nice stats I don't really know what it all means. Do you have any advice for people looking at the creative industries that say oh wow I can see the potential in data because it is something that's blossoming as kind of a talking point at the moment yeah do you know what there's a few areas which I think people should spend some time on if they're just widely thinking about the creative industry yeah actually this is going beyond data I think actually coding is really important and Mm -hmm. I know people have always been talking about it but we've got a couple of people in the office who have learned R and Python and it is amazing what you can do and the correlations and data that you can find and there is not enough people who know those skills but I think more just as importantly as knowing those skills is how do you tell a story from the data that you find so it's all well and good being able to crunch the numbers and turn out a beautiful graph but what does it actually mean because what it's always the so what it looks great but so what what can we actually do with it yeah and I don't think there's enough of sort of um applied data Mm -hmm. I think the other area which people will do really well if they drop this into an interview <laughs> um, is more um, design skills. So particularly around um, editing, video editing and okay. Photoshop. I thought that more people would be like, oh, yeah, I can just whip up a quick video or do a, some quick edits, but they can't. They're gold dust. That's interesting. As I've spoken to people trying like to get my internship or people I've met along the way, everyone's like, oh, it seems there's a common skill set that my generation seems to be assumed to have and photoshop and video editing yeah are one of them and quite interesting actually I never thought that it's such a valuable skill but it is one of those things that you can quickly particularly like if you're in media or marketing there's always something quick yeah and even if you've got design teams in-house it's often they're really busy doing something else and you just quickly just mocking something up or doing some quick edits it's so much better if you can do that and I think it's one of those things actually we didn't ask for when we first started and as we've like we've got um, an intern program that we've had going since the beginning and now we have on it you know desirable is that and if anyone says yeah do you know what I really know my way around photoshop I'm like oh great gold dust and I know how to crunch numbers you often don't get both it's one (laughs) or the other what do you say if someone is in a design background actually and kind of looks at data and crunching numbers but Maybe they drop maths at school and they're kind of going, ah, that's intense. Because I know with coding, there tends to be a, I don't know how to begin. This looks so not for me, especially if you're design. What about with data? Are there any resources? Where do you think people could pick that up? Excellent question. Do you know what? We actually have two types of people within our teams. We've got the ones that are really heavy data specialists. Mm -hmm. And we've got ones that are good at questioning. And I don't think you necessarily need both. You either naturally love the numbers and can do the coding. I think if that's not your bag, then unless you've got like a real passion or you're really going to like pull yourself through it, then the other side of it is having people who know the right questions to ask. Yeah. Because that's often the hardest 
bit, okay. which is, okay, what do we actually need to find out? What is the client going to think about? What am I interested in? And then quite often that then feeds into the data team. Um, I see that, two sides of the coin. Yeah, so actually we've got people who are more on, you know, they might be more client handling or creative side. And then we've got people who are on the data side. And they work really well together because the people on the more sort of client creative side ask the right questions, Mm -hmm. which the data team can then sort of respond to and answer. So I don't think you need to, it's very rare if ever, I think you get somebody that can do both. both. Okay, interesting. So just ask the questions. I always think be inquisitive. That's what we always look for when we're hiring people like at any level. Are you interested in what the you know, questions are, answers are? Yeah, with no skills, just have that inquisitive mindset. And yeah, the why, so what? Always ask yourself that. Amazing. What's the kind of coolest thing that you've uncovered when you've been doing oh. this data analysis for brands? Like, Have you ever gone, wow, I would never have thought people do that? Yeah. I'm not going to mention the client, but I think one of the most interesting things um, we uncovered is we work with essentially sort of a tech incubator and one of their big things is hiring. So they can't hire enough of the right kind of people and they want people who work in tech, very cutting edge and typically go and work for Google and Amazon. And their whole issue is that it takes too long to go to find them themselves they don't have the resources internally and recruiters aren't typically set up to find them it's not a case of oh they've got these skills this is where we can find them it was more a behavior and a mindset of the people and they could have worked anywhere they might not work in tech at the moment they might work in their local library or they might government services or or government services or anything like that so they were like we've got a profile of the people and we know we can look at their online behaviors. What we want to do is build out what their online behaviors are and build this profile. And then we actually want to see if we can find them online and actually group or something. Yeah. And actually do they um, network in a certain way? Do they exhibit similar behaviors? Are there certain things that they follow? Are they on certain like forums or networks or social networks more so than others? Do they go to certain events? So actually we looked into building up the profile essentially to get them these are the types of people that you need to target to make the recruitment more efficient which isn't typically what a social media agency would do uh, whereas sort of as a consultancy and looking at we like big problems and I think that was yeah that was really interesting that actually we could look into finding a set group of people but not by a common denominator of a like page or something yeah because it'd be quite easy if they all worked in um ai and they were based in like a certain place in the uk or whatever but they could have been based anywhere in the world yeah trying to find a mindset through data that's yeah and then we do a lot around sort of how people are networked and how they sort of relate to each other within their online communities okay and then sort of segment them within that so you can look at their behaviors interesting so do you find people will network more online now or do you think from when you started in your career how did you kind of initially build your network because I'm kind of coming at London with not knowing barely any hardly anyone and I'm kind of figuring out as I go along but it seems to me that there's a real mixed bag I think it depends what area you're in I mean obviously people are online more so than ever before and actually so when I started out you didn't have uh you didn't have as much uh, online networks. I'm trying to think how I actually did build connections. I believe LinkedIn was around <laughs> at that time. 
I think now you've got a lot more opportunity actually mm-hmm. starting out to find people and network with them. I think for stuff like that, like LinkedIn is amazing, but also on Twitter. And I think there are a lot more like facilitated online communities where there is probably an offline aspect as well. Yeah. Um, and you can just follow up with people so much easier now. I, I sound really old, don't I? <laughs> and the no, old no, days. No, <laughs> well, yeah, it is interesting because in the kind of five or so years, things have changed drastically already and it's interesting to see how perhaps I mean next week a new website could pop up where you kind of think wow that's a great way to be introduced to people and I'm in the same way my founders hope stitch is the same way you maintain networks um, and that new tool and it's quite interesting to see how the landscape changes so rapidly yeah and also always sort of uh, keep building your network and remember the world is a very small place I always think that you never know who's going to appear later on in your career. <laughs> yeah, so be nice to everybody. <laughs> yeah, or, or I think be fair to everyone. Fair, that's good advice. How do you define making it? Oh, does anyone ever think they've made it? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I always think it's a hard concept, but is there, are there achievements you want to get to or is it more like a lifestyle with your career? So I guess like one of my big things was, you know, if I get to run my own business, then I'll have made it. I think when you're here, though, you're like, have I made it? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I've made it when <laughs> we've reached certain like revenue numbers or we've sold the business for millions of pounds. I think you've sort of always got to set yourself goals and, and try and sort of hit those goals. Like I've always had them. And I've always sort of seen the big picture is, I want to run my own business, but I actually want to do something that's worthwhile and that I think is contributing. Now, I fully appreciate I do run a social media <laughs> consultancy. I'm not saving lives. So yeah. I do caveat on that one. Um, but I always think you always need to think, where could you possibly get to? And that does help you then make moves throughout your career of how you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also helps keep you focused mm-hmm. and makes you focused. I think you have to work really hard if you want to make it and probably harder than you think you have to work. It's interesting to see how people define kind of success. And I think it's nice that it's a moving goalpost for you. There's different things where you keep just setting yourself new goals and aiming for them. Yeah, because I just think it'd be awful if you were like, oh, I've made it now. I can sit back and relax. I definitely yeah, no, can't like, and Yeah, haven't. it'd be quite strange. <laughs> just being like, yeah, I'm done now. Yeah. <laughs> Me sorted. <laughs> you have a co-founder, Alex, and you two have set up this com- amazing companies together. Is he the kind of key person in your professional life, would you say? Or have there been mentors? Or well, he'll get people? upset if I don't say yes. But Alex, there, you're who, the key person in my professional <laughs> life. Are there others who've helped you along the way, though, kind of shaped your goals, perhaps, and mm. what your definition of making it was? Did you ever see someone go, wow, I'd like a slice of what they have? Yeah, so I've worked with Alex over the last oh, six years. We're definitely aligned on where we want to go. And I'm, you know, we motivate and inspire each other. And I quite frankly don't know how I would have done it without him. Hopefully he thinks the same. <laughs> and I really admire people who do it on their own. It's yeah. quite isolating sometimes running your own business. And really no one can ever understand what it's like. Alex is really the only person who totally gets it. Yeah, if you've got to do that on your own, it's quite difficult. But no, I've had lots of people I've worked with 
sort of throughout my career that you know and different people at different points like my first ever boss at Vauxhall for example Simon and he's you know got moved on and has had various other sort of successful roles since he was amazing at making me focus on what I wanted to do and gave me some really good advice on what to do after I finished Vauxhall he was like right you need to go an agency you need to get that ticked off and then you can decide where you want to go but actually go and do a few years of really hard work somewhere and he gave me some advice on some agencies not to pick (laughs) which is quite useful I won't say though like he was amazing and then there's there's people when I first started at the PR agency like my line manager while I was there and he went off and ran his own PR agency now and has done you know some amazing things I always thought his approach to things and there's sort of little things you pick up along the way that you think "Mm, actually I want to be like that I can see why that makes a difference. Do you find that you and Alex work well as a pair because you're different or are you similar and so you work together how does that dynamic kind of work? I think we've got a really good chemistry that works well sort of between us and when we're sort of in a room. I think that we are different but similar enough that we have complementing skills but we're not exactly the same. Yeah. It would probably be a disaster (laughs) if we were both exactly the same. And it's quite nice. There's things that, you know, I'm good at and prefer to do and there's other things and he doesn't like doing them and vice versa. So actually between the two of us and then there's an overlapping bit in the middle, it works quite well because then at that point you can sort of balancing and you're not all doing the same thing at the same time yeah that that definitely makes sense if you were talking to somebody who's looking for a co-founder or just at the beginning of their journey with a startup this is a good question yeah would you say pick a co-founder who like Alex kind of you've got the crossover where there's sections you have strengths together but you are different in in areas of strength as well or would you say that you should go entirely different It is one of the hardest things to recognize your own weaknesses and actually fully understand what your weaknesses are and sort of be okay with that. And and I do think you need to do that in order to recognize I need somebody who can sort of make up the shortfall here, here, but I'm really strong here. I think if you've got two, like you spend a lot of time together. um, (laughs) You're saying be sure you like them. (laughs) Yeah, I think you have to. Yeah. Because... Because you'll have some pretty frank conversations. Mm-hmm. Also, running your or starting your own business, running your own business, it is really stressful in terms of there's just quite a lot of pressure. You know, we've got a team of fourteen people that we need to make sure we're looking after, and there's there's clients that pay. We need to make sure that the quality of work gets out the door. It's Alex and my name on that, so you need to be able to have that sort of balance between right. This is work let's just enjoy being friends for 10 minutes yeah (laughs) go back to some work I think it's it's hard to find somebody that you can work with that intensely Mm -hmm. I think and I think that's probably where a lot of issues come about but if you find someone who's brilliant and can complement what you do it can make the business so much better I think says to me who (laughs) hasn't not had a co-founder yeah but how did you and Alex actually meet do you know what we worked together on our old agency okay so he joined specifically within digital and social and then we worked together to grow the team Mm -hmm. and we grew it to about 20 25 by the time we left in terms of its capabilities and we just realized that we worked really well together we both wanted to go and set up our own business Neither of us wanted to do it by ourselves. I think we both recognised that there were certain things that weren't going to be great if we were by ourselves. Yeah. Um, 
but together we made an a awesome team. team. Yeah. Yeah, just going for strength. Why strength. not? <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds amazing. <laughs> I think, yeah, it sounds like an absolute kind of dynamic duo to have that other person. I, I'm, I'm finding from the people I'm talking to that having that co-founder, actually, they're the biggest kind of make or break and for most people make in a in a startup. Yeah, and it also means that you can share it like if somebody, you know, if he's he's on holiday at the moment, which is which is great, but it, and it means that I don't think he'd be able to take a, a holiday really if it was just him. Oh, so you do okay. need it's those practical sort of yeah, yeah you and you do need a moment office. where you're like actually I can, you know I'm not going to be online or whatever, and you've got somebody to actually support you in that yeah, emotional support as well as work support. No, awesome. Do you mentor anybody? I do mentor someone. So actually, there's a really amazing guy who works for Arthritis UK who um, I mentor at the moment. And it's always really interesting. I think I get as much out of it as hopefully he gets out of it too. Oh, brilliant. I've always really appreciated anyone that's mentored me. If I can give that back to someone, whether, you know, it's giving some advice to people in my team, but it's a bit different to doing it for somebody outside of the business actually I find it really fulfilling especially if I can sort of help someone because it is tough and you have to work hard and there's lots of lots of things going on when you're you know starting off your career and actually trying to kick it on yeah so I sort of hope if I can help somebody else do that then giving a bit all all the more for it definitely yeah yeah and also the better that people are and the more amazing that people are in the creative industries, the better it is. Yeah, when one boat rises, we all rise or something, yeah. isn't it? Yes, good yeah. analogy, yeah. Do you have any guidance for people looking for a mentor? Because I know it's often something that's cited as a suggested like to do by professors and people at university or just the internet if you're not at higher education institution. How do you suggest people perhaps find someone if they don't know anybody in the yeah, industry? Yeah, I think asking someone because I think a lot of people so the guy that I mentor didn't know me beforehand but he just went to his boss and was like look I'd be quite interested have you got any suggestions and actually that can be quite a good way of doing it um and we're doing it for somebody who works for us at the moment and it's just like actually I think you'd be really well paired with this person so I guess don't be afraid to ask for help or if there is somebody that you think would be quite good at it and don't be afraid to ask. Because um, I think sometimes, I mean, people are always quite flattered to be asked to be a mentor, aren't they? Yeah. But also if they can't do it, then they're quite often eager to suggest somebody else if they don't have the time to do it properly. So ask other people for suggestions that are already within sort of the industry or the area that you're interested in. What has been the biggest lesson that you've learned in your career? I was giving this some thought earlier. And I think there's probably been a few, particularly over the last two and a half years. I think one of the biggest ones and it's something that I actually tell quite a few of our new rads which is first impressions always count more than you think they do and particularly in an industry where you're dealing with clients one thing that somebody told me really uh, this might sound terrible really early on in my career I did a piece of training and I was straight out of uni 22 peroxide blonde hair and it was a Friday and we did this training and it was all about client management and I was wearing pink skirt, white top and I was told, 
yeah, if you walk into a room looking like that, no one's going to take you seriously. And actually, you are enormously credible when you come across. But what on earth are you wearing? It's pretty schizophrenic with your personality. It's quite brutal. Wow. <laughs> and wow, I was a bit like, yeah, but yeah, but I'm going out tonight. And I just thought this was training. And maybe I wouldn't wear this to the office. But and then I sort of suddenly realized that actually people, whatever sort of level people do judge you on how you present yourself. And it's why now I do really small things that I'm always telling people make a massive difference, but it shows that you have read the situation and that you care and that you've got attention to detail and that will Mm -hmm. apply to your work. So it's silly things like making sure a meeting room is set up properly. Mm -hmm. Like I always think that that's one of the biggest things if you're going to set up and like start a meeting in the right way, then make sure everything's laid out and you've got some little snacks out and it sounds stupid. But it's the little things that make a difference. Yeah. Similarly, I was sort of mentioning this to you earlier. It's sort of reading the situation. And actually, I know now that if I turn up to a meeting in a suit, no one's going to take me seriously, which horrifies my parents. (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, like jeans and Converse and a T-shirt is absolutely what I need to be wearing. Even at the most smart places, I won't wear a, a suit because... That's not what they're expecting, I guess. Yeah, no, no. And also they always think, oh, she might not know what she's talking about. She's wearing a suit or wasn't expecting this. Yeah. Because it is more creative and, you know, we do work in digital and social. And actually my business partner will um, deliberately sort of play it down and turn up in shorts and flip-flops, really. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I like that. I like that. That's cool. Um, But it's just sort of like reading the situation and, and giving cues that actually do care and you know what you're talking about and you're not distracting in the wrong ways you kind of yeah it's mixed messages that you are saying to you before the university system sometimes says yeah make sure you're wearing a suit for your interview and be in a certain way yeah. and it's it's kind of interesting as i've started don't wear a suit if you come for an interview at 150 <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't do that guys <laughs> we wear ponies but it's, it's yeah it's quite refreshing to hear that actually it's it's kind of showing you a creative spirit or whatever the situation is that re- requires because i guess if you were interning in finance, then perhaps a suit would be appropriate. Yeah, if you go for um, yeah, an interview at a bank, or something, I suggest yeah. you might need to get the tie and suit out. But, but not yeah, so creative much industries, it's more what's what's appropriate. This is also a big one, so feel free to unpack. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Do you know what? I think that, and it's a piece of advice I always give people who work for us. Whenever you start your career, and you go through it, you will always be busy. There will always be a never-ending list of things to do. And there will be a point where you're like, I'm just too busy. I don't know what I'm doing. And sort of you get focused on your to-do list. And it's something I always have to remind myself to do now because that to-do list does never end. (laughs) But it's always focus on what you need the outcome to be, not all the bits to go there. And then you can work back from there. So it's like, do you know what? Essentially, what I need to do here is I need to deliver this proposal for the client. So this is the most important thing that I need to do. That needs to go out the door and it needs to go by the end of today. Rather than going, oh my gosh, right, no, I've got to do that for that person. I've got to get this done. I've got to do this list. And then you just get stuck into the the middle of it. And then you lose sight of, actually, if there was three, you can, it's always in threes. What are the three things that you actually need to deliver? Okay. Because otherwise you stop thinking about what the bigger picture is and you start doing piecemeal bits and you're like, oh, I sort of forgot to tell someone actually that I'd done that and that needed to link into that. 
And essentially, do you know what? I should have done that first. And there was a bit of a quicker way of doing that. And I'm just sort of diligently working through. So I'm like, always think about what is the outcome and then work back from there. Okay, I think that's a brilliant piece of advice to end on. Yeah, I've not heard that before. So interesting. Thank you. Can I add you to my black book on Stitch? Is that all right? Yes, you can. Perfect. Thank you. No worries.